I Do Podcast, Episode 7. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Demona Hoffman. Demona is an L.A.-based dating strategist with an international client base. Her prior career as a TV casting director gave her insight into the importance of personal branding, which led her to meet her husband online in 2003. Since that time, she's used her unconventional dating strategy to help many singles meet their spouses online, too. In addition to writing for the Huffington Post, Your Tango, J-Date, and numerous other sites, Demona hosts a radio program, Dates and Mates, on UBN Radio. Her dating advice book, Spin Your Web, How to Brand Yourself for Successful Online Dating, has received rave reviews from the online dating industry, bloggers, and singles alike. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So, yes, I'm a, a believer in finding true love and finding the right relationship. I'm so glad you guys have done that. But there are a lot of people out there who are still struggling to figure out what they actually need in a relationship and where to go to find that person. So I really started out doing this just out of a passion for helping others. You know, as you mentioned, I was a TV casting director and development executive and television producer. And so I was not intending to have this become my career, but after I met my husband online, people would say to me, well, you were one of the lucky ones. I tried online dating and it doesn't really work. So I'd say, well, let me see your profile. And inevitably, I'd find a mismatch between what they thought they wanted and the way that they were presenting themselves online. So I started out initially just writing profiles for friends and family. But after a while, I started getting calls saying, guess what? I met somebody. Online dating does work. Guess what? We're getting married. Guess what? We're having a kid. And um, after many years of doing that just for friends and family for free, I started to think maybe there is actually a business potential here. So I launched um, I launched my business about four years ago and haven't looked back ever since. That's awesome. That's great. Well, our topic today is interfaith relationships and marriages. Now, in an article you wrote titled, Why You Need to Think Twice About Interfaith Marriage, you mentioned how there is a, now an increased openness to dating someone of another ethnicity or religion. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I think I'm kind of uniquely qualified to talk about this because um, I am biracial myself and I'm also uh, bi-religious. <laughs> so my my father is Caucasian uh, Jewish and my mother is African American and uh, was raised Baptist or Christian. So I had I grew up in a household where we already had not only the duality of cultures but also two sort of competing religions in a way that um, you know left me really questioning. Well, what do I believe? What do I think is important? And and who do I need to find in a mate that really is going to support that? So I was lucky to find a guy who also grew up in a in a 
to religion household. So, you know, we, we, we've chosen to raise our family Jewish. Uh, we have a daughter and, and a son on the way, and that's just a, a personal choice. But because we both have a Christian cultural, you know, Christian religious background as well, we are exposing them to both religions so that they ultimately can make the choice that's right for them. So, you know, a lot of people do come to me with this challenge. You know, my husband and I have managed to make it work, but, you know, my parents' relationship did not last. And, you know, it could be for, it's for a number of reasons, but having that uh, question of how are we going to raise our kids? What do I believe? You know, what do I want my partner to believe? It's becoming a very big issue for a lot of my clients as they are choosing to search for love over searching for someone that has the exact same belief system that they do. Yeah, and and, and that's great. And you're definitely qualified based on your background to to talk on this and I can relate a lot to it and 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 then Sarah and I as well I was raised Jewish and but my mom was Catholic and now I'm still raised Jewish and and Sarah Sarah was raised Catholic and we're getting married this year so uh, really a lot of things I'm sure are going to resonate with us and and hopefully a, a lot of our listeners yeah and it's something I didn't even really think about necessarily when I was looking for a mate I didn't even ask the questions, and honestly, it didn't even occur to me until we had our daughter and the holidays roll around, and (laughs) there was no question over whether we would have a Christmas tree and a menorah. It's just how we grew up, and it's how we, you know, choose to live our life, but... For a lot of my clients, you know, I, I have a client that um, she just told me she's moving in with her boyfriend who she met a year ago after doing one of my programs, and she's Jewish, and she really wants her children to be Jewish, but the man that she's fallen in love with is not. And so, you know, it's it's something where it's a discussion. She says, look, I don't want to have a Christmas tree in my house. I don't, I, I, I'm not going to exclude them from understanding Christianity, but she said that my kids will know who Santa Claus is, because that was something that was important to to her her boyfriend. They'll know who Santa Claus is, but he's they'll know him as a figure who brings Christian kids toys on Christmas. So, you know, that's a choice that they made, but I'm realizing now as as, you know, especially with online dating, and that's how my husband and I met, the ability to date outside your immediate community or social circle now is so prevalent. It's so easy to meet someone that has a completely different upbringing and belief system that now I'm realizing it's something I do have to talk to my clients about to figure out what is important to them before they even get into the relationship. And it's very interesting, and there's a lot of ways to look at it. And you talked about Santa Claus, and I was very much raised culturally to be pretty integrated with Christianity, but religiously, not so much, if that makes sense, where culturally, with when Christmas came around, I fully, you know, we were fully into Santa Claus, believed it as a kid, but religiously, not so much. So you have that dynamic um, going on, too. Yeah, and you know, actually, there was a, a an article recently that was talking about interfaith dating, and that essentially everybody is in an interfaith relationship because even if you both grew up Christian, 
you may have had a different, you know, a, a different way that you practiced the religion. And so there's always a, a bit of a adjustment period when you combine cultures and the way you observe your religion, even if it's the same, you know, you're following the same, same doctrine. So, you know, I found that very interesting for, for myself and for my clients. It's something that makes it sort of even more okay to, to be dating outside your religion, because even if you are dating inside your religion, you're going to face some of these same questions. Absolutely. And, and in the article you wrote, you went over four steps that can help you evaluate an interfaith relationship. Can you go over those steps or explain them a little more in detail for us? Sure. Sure. So, you know, the first thing, and I mentioned this a little bit um, already, but the first thing you have to do is really ask yourself why you believe what you believe. You know, when, when I start coaching uh, one of my clients, the very first thing I ask them is, is about, you know, who they are. I call it the product you. Like, who? what is the product of yourself that you are putting out there into the world? Who are you and what are you looking for? And, you know, many times, especially when it comes to faith and also to politics, which I guess are the two, <laughs> the no-nos. You don't want to be talking yeah, about this on a first date. But, you know, when, when we're talking about dating coaching, I have to know where you stand you know, where you, when the time when you bring it into the conversation with a, a date or a potential mate is a whole different question. But many times when I ask people why they believe what they believe, I get more of an answer of, well, that's just what we've always done, or that's what my parents taught me to believe in. Yep. And it's not as much about, well, this is something that I believe wholeheartedly, that this aligns with my core values. And I find that finding a partner that lasts for long, lasts long term is more about finding someone that has your same values than someone that shares your interests or, you know, even that shares your religion because they may have the same religion but place different values on it and, and read the religious texts differently. So I like to have my clients get really clear on why they're making that decision. If you believe you must marry someone Jewish? Okay, great. Why? And to me, it's not a good enough answer. Well, because it would make my, my Jewish mom happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the <laughs> or <answer>? grandma. <laughs> or grandma. Right. Exactly. What's the answer? What's the next level? And if they don't really have an answer to that, then, you know, I, sometimes I might even say, then maybe that shouldn't be on your list of criteria. Because if it's not important enough to you to know the answer to that question, then maybe you shouldn't be eliminating potential mates because of that. So, so that's the first step. And then, you know, once you do get into a relationship with someone that is of, of a different, a different faith, you know, there, there is a way that you can both be right in a sense. Like one of the most, um, challenging things for a relationship is when one person or a friendship or, you know, anything, when one person believes one thing, someone believes the other thing, and they try to convince the other one that they are correct. And, you know, particularly in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, that can really be the end of things. 
so, you know, there's a way, and my parents worked this out, at least for me, and, you know, I, you can chime in and <laughs> tell me if you felt like it, they worked it out for you, but they allowed both religions to be right in the household. Yeah. And they yeah. allowed me to be exposed to both of them and figure out what resonated for me. Absolutely. So I think that's really important. Um, and then, of course, the the number three thing is don't try to change your partner. If someone wants to convert, they really should be doing it on their own, you know, of their own free will. If someone wants to explore your religion and see if it's a better fit for them, that has to be something that they that they want. And I I just think it's very dangerous, you know, in some of some religions, you know, are very strict about if you're going to marry someone of our faith, you must, they must be converted. And, you know, there are people that you find, you will find that, you know, my, my husband and I did not have a religious service. So we, it was not important to us to get married in a, in a Jewish temple. So we could, we didn't have to like make a certain declaration or, you know, because my mom is not Jewish, technically I'm not Jewish, but I feel culturally Jewish, so I could make the service that I wanted, you know, but if you're trying to change the other person or convert them, you know, ultimately that, that could result in the hard feelings down the road or even at the time. And of course, the fourth thing is to keep your extended family out of it. So, you know, you were mentioning earlier that you know you you're doing it for grandma or you know for 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 mom or for someone else and and so funny i was just talking to um a young lady the other day who's getting married this weekend and she was saying how her parents they've only been this isn't even an inter interracial or interfaith relationship but her parents are not she she's only known her husband a short her husband to be for a short while and so they have all of these rules and feelings about, you know, how long you should know a person. And they're not in favor of her getting married just because it's not the way that they did it. And yeah. you have to do what's right for you. You're the person, you're the one that's going to be married to that person. So you have to be able to quiet those voices if you want to have the relationship that you want and that you dream of. Yeah, absolutely. And so that that would go along with the last point of, of keeping your extended family out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to, to say, I'm, I appreciate your input and I'm glad that that worked for you. We're, you know, this is, we're handling it in a different way. Uh, yeah. It's, it, t- it takes some fortitude, but um, ultimately it's better for your relationship. Cause how many times have we heard, you know, someone married, for the wrong reasons or because they were the right, the same religion or because they got too much criticism from their parents. And if, if you're making the choice for love and you're with the wrong person, you will never regret it. Yeah. Love, love triumphs all trumps all conquers Conquers all. That's the word I was looking for. It does all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love the four steps and I want to give them to our listeners just one more time because they are so valuable. It, first one, ask yourself why you believe what you believe. Secondly, figure out how you both can be right. 
Don't try to change them, the third step. And then lastly, keep your extended family out of it. Those sound like four great steps to be successful in evaluating uh, your interfaith relationship. Exactly. Besides interfaith challenges, what do you find is another common reason couples struggle with their relationship? Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's a big question. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's... There's so many, there's so many reasons that, that couples fight. You know, ultimately I find that a lot of times I, I work with a lot of, um, particularly divorced women who realized that they were marrying initially for the wrong reasons. Either they married because they had common interests or they were just, you know, it was sort of convenience. They were in the same community and it seemed like that was the next step and they didn't actually do the, the, the work on figuring out if the values were the same and if 10 or 15 years down the line they were going to want the same things that they did. Um, so that's, that's a big part. And, you know, when people say, oh, we grew apart, you know, couples grow apart, they do to an extent, but it's, I think it really starts with the foundation that you're building the relationship upon because values are something that, that uh, they don't change substantially. Um, you know, interests certainly change. If you fell in love because you guys met on the tennis courts and you loved playing tennis together and then one of you, you know, tore your ACL and can't play anymore, then you realize, oh gosh, like tennis was the biggest thing we had in common and now we've grown apart, you know? So I think that's the first step is figuring out the foundation that you're building the relationship upon. But beyond that, of course, you know, money is a big reason that Mm -hmm. couples it up and argue. And I think this is a, goes back to, it's another value thing. Yep. You know, I have yep. a client who is recently divorced and actually just, just got engaged <laughs> um, a couple months ago to someone else. But in her first relationship, she was very, very frugal, very miserly. And her husband was more, um, he was, he he liked to spend money more than she did. He's of course already like depleted the accounts <laughs> since they've, they've been separated. Yeah. So, you know, if, if he appreciated her, conser- her, her conservative spending habits, you know, it could be a great fit because if, if one person is different, I'm not saying everybody has to be the same. If one person is different and, and they, they like to pull back, then you can have, you know, be more moderate and have some spending habits that are somewhere in the middle. But, you know, if you haven't talked about it or you don't have an understanding about where each of you stand, that's when challenges tend to come up. So, you know, I, sometimes I recommend with my clients that as they're getting into a relationship that they they really talk about this and they have, my husband and I have have a a sort of spending threshold, like if we're going to spend over X amount of dollars, we have a conversation with the other person about it. And I've never said no to my husband, but it's a, it's being included in the, the decision to spend that amount of money because when you're married, it's a joint amount of money. So, you know, money and uh, also family, family is a big, a big part of, um, Couples breaking up, they they can be, particularly when you're in an interfaith or you know cross cultural relationship. So you know, really looking at your partner as your partner, 
And you know, it's, it's sort of a strange thing to get used to when you've been a part of one family your whole life, and now you're starting your own family. You really, that, that new family unit has to be your number one priority. And it, it almost seems like a theme that keeps on coming on is that communication is key and it's so important and knowing your values with your partner and communicating them is really what can help benefit your relationship. Yes, communication is absolutely key. That is the foundation of any good relationship. And when couples stop communicating, that's really when when problems occur. And, you know, even at the beginning of a courtship, this is communication is really, is really key. And, you know, a lot of times I'll see singles that, you know, they'll get a text from the person they're dating and they misread it or they, you know, associate it with something that happened in the past to them. And then they, they act based on the idea rather than based on what is actually happening. Or jump to conclusions. Yeah, yeah, they jump to conclusions. So, you know, especially just with communication modes changing, we don't talk to each other as much as we used to as a society. You know, we text to each other and we email to each other and we tweet to each other, but we're not talking, and that's not a substitute for talking. So I think it's really important that couples still make sure that they have face-to-face time that they are allowing the other person to express themselves and really hearing it. And, you know, I have I have a three-year-old and I have another kid on the way. I understand once you have families, sometimes that time that you used to spend talking to one another gets diminished and gets complicated by the fact that there's someone else there, but it doesn't mean that it should go away. You still have to do it. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I ask a question that's on our mind. Sarah, you're up. We're planning our wedding for August, or I'm not August, (laughs) I'm off here, October. And um, we've been very fortunate that with, you know, each of our families coming from um, different religious backgrounds, we've been very fortunate that no one has been very, you know, pushy on us either way. But there are couples out there, like you said, that go through this. Do you have a couple tips for maybe them and and then dealing with, with that specifically on maybe certain wedding rituals or how you can combine maybe both religions into the ceremony? Right. So you you have to start with making people feel that they are heard. It doesn't mean, though, that it becomes their wedding. And that's really, you know, I, I've seen this. I've seen this break up couple. I've seen marriages, weddings, break couples up before. So, you know, because of trying to please everybody. You're not going to please everybody all the time. But what you can do is listen to everyone and make them feel heard. And so, you know, I would I would ask your parents what's important to them or what, you know, what they think is crucial to retain from your your cultural background. And and you know, I would let them know it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do it, but you value their opinion and you'd like to hear it. And then, you know, I think it's really um it's really important that you create the service that you want and the experience that you want. You know, we get so tied up with the planning and 
who's going to be there and what are they going to eat and <laughs> who's where's where's grandma going to sit and mm-hmm. who's going to sit you know what i mean it's right. it, it, it can be <laughs> yeah. really overwhelming and a lot of times i think brides in particular forget that their wedding is about them having fun so when i went into my wedding i just said you know all the planning was very stressful but that day i just said okay i want to remember this day i want to have a good time Anything that goes wrong after this point, I can't control it. And, you know, this is just about the me having the experience that I want to have at my wedding. And I have no regrets. I burnt my wedding dress with an iron <laughs> accidentally right before I walked down the aisle. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had one bridezilla moment over the wrong lunch coming, and we got over it and everything, you know, even though everything didn't necessarily go exactly according to plan, everything was enjoyable for me. So we chose to have a uh, sort of a non-denominational service that had elements of the different cultures of the family that would be present. Uh, also, my brother and sister, uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they had a cross-cultural and cross-religious wedding. My, my sister-in-law's family's from India, and they're Bengali. And then they actually realized that there were some similarities between the cultures. Like, you know, in the Jewish culture, we have a chuppah that you get married under. And in the Bengali tra- tradition, they have a, a sort of similar um, sort of, uh, I don't know what to call it, but but basically a canopy mm-hmm. yeah. that you marry under. And so, you know, for them, they had, they had a, a sort of integrated service where they had someone reading, reading, you know, Hebrew passages, and then they had someone reading um, Bengali, um, you, you know, going through mm-hmm. the Bengali service. So, I mean, the service was, was long as all get out. <laughs> it was like two hours, but that was what they wanted. And ultimately everybody, everybody, understood that they were there for them and went along with the plan. Awesome. Well, I was raised Jewish, but I got to celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. And one of the great benefits of that is you get double presents. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So my question to you is, are your kids going to get double presents? They do. And as a parent now, I'm like, oh, wait, this is not so great. (laughs) Um, But yes, they do. And again, this is another thing, like both, both my husband and I were raised in a dual religion household, but even the way that they did presents for Hanukkah is different than the way they did it in yeah. my household. So even though they were, we were celebrating the same relig- religion and the same holidays, we were doing it in different ways. So I've just had to adjust. In my family, we didn't do huge presents for Hanukkah because we knew Christmas was right around the corner, so the presents were smaller. Uh-huh. In his family, they don't want to diminish Hanukkah, even though it's you know a more minor religion. But still, you know, they still want to give Hanukkah e- sort of equal weight mm-hmm. weight with Christmas, which makes <laughs> sense to me intellectually. But it's like, oh, but that was different than how I did it. Right. So. Um, We've we've had to you know we're still figuring it out and I think that's that's the thing to remember especially when you have kids and your whole life plan just just shifts and you look at the world in a different way just to keep in mind that things are are fluid and because you did something one way as a kid because you did something one way last year that doesn't mean that that's how you have to do it 
every year, year you have the power to change your traditions to suit your family. Exactly. And, and we can get all into the commercialization of both those holidays, but that's a completely different topic. <laughs> it's a completely different topic. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Demona, are you ready to help us build lasting love? I'm ready. All right. (laughs) Well, what's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? They can always tell each other how they feel you know, and remind each other that they are in love. A lot of times I see couples forget when you get into the relationship, you know, a few years, you forget to say, honey, you are so beautiful. I'm so attracted to you. You look great. You know, and just saying those things every day, saying I love you every day is really important to building building a lasting relationship and, you know, a lasting connection where everyone feels loved and everyone feels appreciated. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Oh, gosh. Um, my book? No. <laughs> my book's more for, for singles. But, um, you know, uh, uh, one book that I love is uh, Love Languages by, by Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good uh, foundation for understanding that people people give and accept love in different ways. And it's important to meet your partner on their level and communicate in a way that they are going to understand. So, you know, some people express love through giving gifts. Some people express love through words. Um, but it's really, it, it's really important to understand what's going to resonate for your partner so that you can give them what they need in the relationship. Absolutely. And we'll go ahead and put uh, the link to that book on your show notes page, which will be on our website at idopodcast.com. And there will also be a link to your book on there so our readers can check it out. And we'll have some single listeners as well looking to build a relationship or find a new relationship. So all that information will be on our website at idopodcast.com. Fantastic. And so like I mentioned earlier, we're getting married in October. Is there any advice you would give an engaged couple or uh, a newlywed specifically? <laughs> um, well, my advice for newlyweds is really to appreciate the moments. It goes by so fast, that newlywed uh, phase. And I... It really, it's the beginning of your relationship, so it it should be a time that is really joyful and memorable. Of course, you know, there are shifts that happen, you know, I I don't know if you've already lived together, but, you know, just when you become someone's husband or someone's wife, there are are big shifts that, that do happen in the relationship and also become a part of someone else's family. That was the biggest thing for for us and realizing like that's not my that's not just my girlfriend's mom that's now basically that's my mom <laughs> so you know i would just just say really try to um appreciate each moment and document the moments cuz they do go by so fast and particularly once you have kids we have so many the technology is here now to to record things you know 
there's like one video that exists of me as a kid. (laughs) But now my daughter sees herself every day on uh, my iPhone. So, you know, really to to take, (laughs) yeah, but to take stock of those memories, um, you know, so that you have them for the future and that the moment doesn't pass you by too quickly. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? Make your relationship number one. Make that your top priority. You know, we get busy with work and with children and life gets in the way. And sometimes the the relationship gets gets pushed aside. But I think it's really important to always take time to connect with your partner. My husband and I still, we've been together 10 years. We do a date night every week. And sometimes date night consists of us sitting in front of the TV mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, eating popcorn. <laughs> but it's a time that we have set aside. We've committed to one another to be together every week. You know, sometimes he's he's on location and I don't have that physical date night with him, but we will make a Skype date. Again, the technology is here to help us, and it doesn't have to pull us apart as it sometimes does. It can bring you close together. So finding a time, if it's 30 minutes, if it's two hours, if it's a whole day, where you and your partner can still connect on a regular basis and and carve out that time so that you know you're committed to one another and another obligation is not going to come in and basically split the two of you apart. Making that time is really important. I I love it. And I love how uh, with the technology, you're still able to make it happen. So no excuses. You're out of town. Mm -hmm. You get on Skype. You can still watch TV together. Exactly. Exactly. And then you can tweet. Did you see that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's great. Great. Well, we really enjoyed having you on our show today and hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners. So let's finish by telling us where our listeners can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Great. I am online at datesandmates.com. I have lots of great info on my blog there, and I have, for anyone that's still single and looking for the idea like you two have, they can get my free video. It's five biggest online dating mistakes you're probably making now and how to fix them. So I offer that for free at datesandmates.com and I'm on air every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on ubnradio.com. Our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And we want to thank you again for taking the time to, to come on the show and Again, for all your generous advice, and thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?